You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the InfluenceAlliance.com, the business building community for change makers who want to build a sustainable and scalable business they love. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says, if I could go back and give myself some advice, it would be to get someone to help with personal branding. And joining me on today's show is Paul Higgins. Paul is a high-performing business mentor. He's a podcaster himself and published author uh, of, or he helps people who are seven-figure businesses with their sales and teams so that they can build, they can live, and they can give. And he has 27 years of experience in sales and marketing, finishing up an 18-year gig at Coca-Cola, the Coca-Cola company, as a director when he left in 2011 uh, to manage his health. Now, he founded three businesses with a successful exit in 2019. He had a successful transplant from his best mate in 2019. There you go. And with his newfound energy, he loves to mentor business owners, spend time with his teenage children and play golf. Now on today's show, he's going to share how to create optimum business models to use so that you can scale fast and work less, how to get quality leads leveraging LinkedIn, as well as how to run an effective remote team. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Great to be here and it's great to be interviewed by a fellow Australian. Yes, it is. Lots to have, lots of Aussie accents, which is uh, fantastic. Look, I love, uh, you know, from your introduction there that I just shared that it seems that a lot of what you now love to support other business owners through are things that you've learned through your through your history, through your career. And I'm sure that when you look at other business owners, ambitious entrepreneurs working, and you, you know, they've got that term hustling, uh, this is probably something that you're saying, look, there's a better way of doing things a much better way so that you don't end up having to take time off to recuperate and, and health and so forth, yes? Spot on, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I call it the highway of business and whatever success is at the end of it, whatever you, your destination is, but, yeah, it's a highway and the more time you spend on it, the better and there's lots of, you know, reroutes, uh, you know, opportunities to get off that highway and I learned them the hard way so I always like to help people avoid that. Yeah. What I love about uh, podcasting, and, and you would be the same with your podcast, if you can learn something, if you can follow the steps of someone who's gone before you, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, some of us are a little bit more stubborn than others that have to experience a few things. But when it comes to your health, it's going to impact not only you, but also your family, your team, because if you're not operating at your best, it's going to filter throughout the organisation. Lots of stuff that we want to cover today. So let's dive in. When it comes to business models, how would you define business model? Yeah, look, I think business model is effectively the way that you make money. Okay, so if, if the simplest definition is, is that, and uh, I find a lot of people, you know, choose a business model which doesn't align to their lifestyle. And you mentioned it at the start, my company's called Build, Live, Give. It's about building a great business, but most importantly, to fund your lifestyle and then give back. 
And often what I see is people have a business model that doesn't give them the lifestyle. A quick example is where they might be doing project-based work or they might be doing uh, consulting work where they have to be you know, on site. I know in COVID times that's changed a little, on Zoom maybe, but you know, if they, if they don't turn up, they don't get paid. And that's not great for your lifestyle. So that's what I mean by business models. Yeah, and you could end up building a business that ends up uh, that you end up hating. You know, you might be working with clients that initially uh, you you thought you wanted to uh, work with, but it ends up burning out. So, what are some things that you can encourage businesses to cut, start considering? Many businesses have had to go back and rethink the way that they're doing business, and in future. So, what are some insights that that are important? Yeah, well, look, as you said, I work with a lot of service-based business owners and, uh, you know, real estate, I don't work with real real estate agents or realtors, wherever you are in the world, but I think it it draws a really good analogy where they've got the commission-based side of the business, so that's where they're buying and selling houses, which is great. And for most consultants, that's where they're doing the consulting part of it, you know, they're swapping time for money. And then most really good real estate agents have a rent role. Right, and that rent roll is really the value that when they go to sell the business, that's what people buy the business based off, right? Because it's consistent. It's it's in my terminology, it's a subscription based business, and that's what I love helping people develop. Where yes, you can still do your one on one, you know, consulting, etc. But you know, if you also develop maybe a group program or a membership that can give you recurring income. And isn't it great when your income is coming from potentially like me in my community, a hundred people versus coming from five or six people that, you know, with COVID and, and what's happened, you know, for whatever reason, businesses have suddenly said, no, sorry, we don't need you at the moment. And you could lose 80% of your revenue overnight. Yes. What I love about what you've just said that too, I mean, we're always encouraged, please do not put all of your eggs in one basket, whether it be working with one major client. Well, what happens? I mean, in businesses, not just service-based businesses, but here in Australia, fisheries and, and wine, doing a lot of business with one particular country. And when that disappears, all of a sudden they're left thinking, goodness. And so I love the way that you're encouraging what are the different streams, but not just where you may work one-on-one, but a membership program a subscription-based program. Would you say that one of the barriers often to businesses actually doing that is because they didn't even realise it was possible or that clients would want that, that there was a need? Yeah, look, I think that's the case. It depends which, you know, like for me, you know, I've got a podcast, as you said, but I love listening to podcasts. And the podcasts that I listen to in particular, it's, you know, it's like very common, right? Because I chase those themes to learn and develop for, for my clients. But for a lot of people, you're right, they aren't listening to those podcasts. It's not something that is, you know, front of mind for them. And often they're, they're working that hard in the old, what I call the old school model of just swapping time for money, that they often don't have the opportunity to, to either look for other models, or even if they do, they don't have the time to actually step back and implement because they're so busy in the doing of the business. Mm. Something that often will happen too is businesses, they look at what their industry are doing and they say, no one else is doing it, so there mustn't be a need. But what I say is get in there, do some investigation because you might just be, uh, you know, the blue ocean, I think that's the term, isn't it? And 
your ideal clients may be thinking, oh my goodness, we've been waiting for this. What would be just a couple of um, things that you would encourage businesses to do as they're brainstorming? What ideas? Are there some specific questions that you encourage people to start thinking and widening their um, ideas about what's possible for them? Where do they start? Yeah, look, I think uh, I'll give you a, a live example. So one of my clients, uh, Al, uh, other than that, he will uh, remain nameless but uh, or anonymous, but he's looking at this at the moment. So he's in uh, an industry that's quite conservative. It's consumer goods, and he's got a specific expertise, and he's been swapping time for money in doing that consulting. But I said, look, you know, often you go into a business and there's uh, an expert on that topic in the business, but how much development are they getting? And he said, not a lot. I said, yeah. So, you know, they, you know, have a boss or they're in a particular um, area of the business that they want the outcome, but they don't want to develop that person. I said, do you think that's an opportunity to build a community of those people across all the businesses that you could help? And once you've helped those people, guess what? they're going to end up be the main decision maker over time. And then you've got a, actually a life, uh, you know, a, a, a lifelong of great clients. So I said, that's the hypothesis, right? So the hypothesis needs to be tested. So what I want you to do is whether you set up a free Slack group, um, you know, whatever's uh, best for where they hang out, but set it up and basically ask the question, you know, ask if this is a need that they've got, because so often we put the cart before the horse. So we think, oh, okay, I want to get a membership and I want to get recurring revenue because it suits me. It's a great business model. But the most important thing, is it going to benefit the people that will continue to make that a great livelihood for you? And I think that's the number one thing people do is they put the cart before the horse. Yes. You would have heard uh, Paul the saying analysis paralysis. At what time frame or at what stage when we've done that, we've opened up the Slack group, we've talked to our ideal clients and there may be even existing clients and they have said, you know, that's fantastic. Would you use that then as an indication that, yes, that is what that is what has been determined as, as being of interest, or would you say there's a few other things? And over what time frame? And I know that sounds a bit silly, like what time frame? It's as long as a piece of string, but I know that there's some people there that do tend to like to get a lot of information, and they never up, end up launching because they're too busy still in the research phase. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, the example that I've got with L, like we're taking a month right? A month to, to set it up. And then let's say it's probably another month. So two months in total. But what I've said is we want 10 paid clients at the end of this hypothesis. So you might change, you know, the way that you're talking, you know, the copy that you have on the landing page, et cetera, that, that may change based on, but the concept is to get 10 people paying. Cause you know, as you know, where, you know, the true validation of a, an offer is when it converts. Right, yeah. so you know that's that's my uh, perspective on it, and uh, now I'm happy to update you uh, post this on what the results of Al's work is. But we've done it with other people as well in the past, and that's you know uh, a reasonable time frame. And when once you get people that have actually invested money in it, then Al's going to be going great. Now I can create the content and really put the 
the foundations and that in place because people have put their hand up. Love that. So is there any other one or two little insights around creating business models? I mean, you've mentioned uh, membership, you've mentioned group coaching programs. Are there any things that you've seen has started to work really well, particularly when we think of the environment we're now in, just to get some ideas out there, maybe some even information that people can then go reach out to you or maybe do some further research? What are other things that are working really well when it comes to business models? Yeah, well, look, I think the the, the key thing that I've learned is, as you said, you get great diversification across your client base because you've got 80 people versus, you know, like you said, a, a handful. But but I think you can be very niched in what you go after, niched, niche, however you say it in the world. But I think that's the most important thing. So for, for me, I'm very clear on who my target market is. You know, it's, it's uh, seven-figure service-based business owners that are in a couple of key industries. So I'm very, very clear. But then what I do is because I go across the globe, I'm able to diversify that way. So I think the first thing if you're going to set up a membership is make sure it's very, very clear. So someone comes to your LinkedIn profile, they come to your website, they know it's whether it's for them or not. Right, because remember, you only want maybe a hundred, you know, maybe even a thousand people paying you, you know, two ninety nine a month is a very, very good business. So you don't need to invite the world to it. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is I think don't overload the content up front. Okay, so a lot of people say I'm going to build all this content and then go and sell the the program. No, I think what you do is get some founding members and you help by doing it because everyone's so busy that I want to be overwhelmed by more. People want less and they want results. And the third thing I think is really important is work out what you're naturally good at, okay? So I love facilitation. I love, um, you know, I've done it through my corporate career. That's what I'm great at. I'm not as good at online courses, right? So I think there's really two ways. You can have a community that's based on a lot of communication, collaboration, et cetera, or you can have an online uh, model. Work out what's the best style for you. Now, I've got an online that supports my group program, but it's not a whole lot of online courses that I provide. I actually provide a community. So I think, you know, based on your preference, make that distinction. And that's what really is going to set you apart from other people who may be in your industry yet really uh, gravitate towards an an experience which maybe you don't want to do, which is great because there's so much business uh, opportunity out there. Find what you're good at, where you want to position and then just go, uh, you know, 100% into that. Love, love, love all of those things. Now, you mentioned something and we're going to dive into that. It's a beautiful segue, how to get quality leads leveraging LinkedIn. So you mentioned already, make sure your profile uh, highlights that. What are some other things to do with our profile? And then we'll talk about how do we actually start generating leads from the LinkedIn platform? Yeah. And and look, I've got uh, nine key things that you should do for your profile. So I won't mention all nine, but you can go to blgdownload.com and there's a, a PDF with, with the nine. But I think the the top three that I'll mention, the first thing is the, the header, okay? The header is so important on your profile. So you want to actually allow people to know what you do. So some people have a, you know, a nice landscape or whatever, but it means nothing, right? So think of it as a billboard on the road. You wouldn't put something generic there. So why do it on your header? So I always say, you know, have, if, if you've got a methodology, show your methodology. So if you go to mine, you can see that I've got my methodology and then who I service, 
right? So when people look, they go, okay, this profile's for me. So that's number one. And and just on that also, have a have great profile shot. And I use my uh, background is orange, so it really pops and it stands out. So do that as well. Don't have your wedding photo or some of the other ones that you see out there, you know, someone that's uh, 40 years ago are using their best photo. Um, so that's that. The next one, one is your headline. So on the headline, I recommend you use a simple formula. So the first thing is people want to put you in a box as to what you do. Okay, so you'll see there on, on mine, uh, thanks for that, bringing that up, Anne-Marie, that the key thing is what do people want to box you in? Because they do, right? You don't want to be boxed, but they will. So I'm a high-performing mentor, right? So that's what I do. It's easy for people to say, is this for me or not? And the next, I help X through Y to achieve Z. Just use that simple formula, no emojis in your headline, that's important. And the last one I'll say is the about section, which most people read. Welcome them in. Think of this as the first conversation you're going to have with someone, right? So actually don't, you know, sell straight to them straight away. Welcome them in. Talk about who they might be. So who do you love working with? What are some of the things they're challenging with and how you can help them? I talk about both free and paid services on how I can help them. So they're the three biggest tips around a profile can, I can uh, provide you. And the rest, as I said, you can get at blgdownload.com. Yeah, fantastic. And of course, there's nothing better than to go to your particular profile, which I thought Gosh, we've got a great platform that we're able to share that. And you, you, you've you actually, you're walking the talk, which is wonderful. Go and check out uh, Paul's uh, profile there. Let's talk about getting quality leads because over the last, you know, a, a number of months, I mean, people have actually, the whole of 2020, when, when all of a sudden everything hit the fan, people have been using a lot more platforms, particularly LinkedIn, and building networks and connections and leads. It's all about relationship building and there's good relationship building and not so good. What are, you would say, the one or two common mistakes that you see people make? Please stop doing that when it comes to the LinkedIn platform. Yeah, well, look, I think, you know, obviously your profile's right. Then the next bit is your posting, okay? So, you know, people want to see that you're actually adding value. They want to see if you're someone that is an authority in your area, right? So don't miss the opportunity to post. And, you know, the key thing with posting is follow a couple of key key elements to it, right? I've got seven key elements, but I'll just go through a couple. One is make sure it's in an intriguing headline, Okay, because, you know, it's like anything, they've got choice. It's, you know, a view is just a skim, right? What you want to do is open it to get them to like and comment, which boosts how many other people will get to see it. So intriguing um, at, the, at the header. Then tell a bit of a story, right? So once again, you're not selling, you're, you're writing to your ideal client, tell a bit of a story and always ask a question, right? Because the question then get more comments and more comments will mean more views, okay? Also, a comment means that they might be your ideal client so you can actually follow up with them. The last one is just some hashtags. So, you know, there's a lot of different opinions out there. Is it three because Google now search for three hashtags? Is it nine? Look, I'm using uh, anywhere between a three and nine Odd numbers, not even. I don't know why, but that seems to work best. So just have those elements in your post. Once again, go and have a look at mine. But uh, since um, I had my transplant, which you spoke about, 
uh, in 2019, so about July 2019. Since then to now, I've had 2.5 million views on LinkedIn. I've gained uh, hundreds of clients, and it definitely works. And there's one other thing. It's not a solo sport, right? If you really want to do well on LinkedIn, you do need to get 50 likes and 20 comments in the first hour. Okay, so to do that, you do need some help. So I'll leave it at that. But there's some of the key things around posting. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm looking, scrolling through the feed. So, and the pictures that you have, you know, taken their view, they're, they're smiling, uh, you know, there's there's this. So, I mean, you know, you're really creating an experience, aren't you? So people kind of sense your personality through that. Yeah. And just um, quickly on, on images, we've only done this for a particular launch, but generally a PDF is much better. So a PDF that I did, um, which if you just scroll down a moment, Anne-Marie. Maybe go to documents. Yeah, that, that one. That- yeah, great. So that one there, that's got about 80,000 views at the moment. Uh, and the key thing about that post is two things. One, it had a PDF. So it dwell time is really important on LinkedIn. So the longer someone looks at a post, the better. So that. And the other thing is I asked them to add a comment to get more specific on the resource. So those two things is the reason why that's at 80,000 and keeps climbing. Wow. And as I have just clicked through, just in case people aren't aware of where all of these things are, this is documents. So in other words, when Paul went to put a post up instead of, of the post, you went to documents, didn't you? And, and uploaded that and uh, some really great tips there. And and this is just letting you know what you may not have been aware of. Go and do some further research. Reach out to Paul. There's his LinkedIn profile. Let him know that you listened to the show and I'm sure he, he's got some other resources to direct you to. Uh, when it comes to connecting, I mean, obviously we've got messages there that here we go here, messaging where we're able to connect with people. Are there some things that you have seen are done really well or maybe this is something that you're doing Doing that enables you to then take a relationship where you may have already connected, maybe someone has engaged with one of your posts. What do you do then in a strategic nurturing kind of way? Yeah, great. So thanks, Anne-Marie. So first is if someone has liked to comment on your post, when you reach out to them, actually put that specific post link, right? Because they, you know, they may not even be aware of your post. They may be very aware. So just let them know that's the reason why you're connecting, okay? So it's always best, as you know, when you're first reaching anyone, if you've got a mutual reason for connecting or, you know, it works better, so do that. I think I highly recommend that. The second thing is always um, say, you know, I'm a high-performing business owner looking for people like this. So insert whatever your this is and you know would you be open to connecting right that's it i keep it as simple as that for a connection request if there is no um you know way that i've I've found them and i think the key thing is the word open permission is something that people skip you asked me before what people don't do well they don't ask for permission so always ask for permission and open is a brilliant way of doing that. The other thing, what I often do is I'll put a PS if it's someone specifically that I want to talk to. I say, PS, I'm going to send you a personal video on acceptance, right? So I let them know that. And then when I send them a personal video, it's normally about a minute long. I've got their profile in front of me so they know exactly how they found I found them. 
I'm often I'll email them so it shows on their contact information. So what I'm doing is is not making it a mystery. I'm very being very clear on how I'm reaching out to them and I'm asking them permission if we can talk further. So I think they're some of the really key tips that, uh, you know, a lot of people miss. And I say to people like, hang on, you've just sent that script, right? You've got it off someone else, you cut and pasted it. And, you know, is that really you? And would you open that? And most people say, no, I wouldn't open it. So it's pretty clear someone else is not going to. So, you know, it's the same, the bar analogy you've heard to death, but it's still a very good one that, you know, you wouldn't walk up to someone in a bar and, be inappropriate straight off the bat. So don't do the same thing on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned that when someone does connect with you, you kind of preempt that you're going to send them a video. So is that a short video? What do you do in that? Do you personalise it? Because I noticed from your uh, profile here, you've got 15,950, so almost 16,000. That's a lot of people that you're connected with. And, and I'm sure one of the reasons why you get high engagement and so many thousands of uh, views. So what does that video look like? Yeah, look, uh, great question. So we've got um, really three types. So one is where I'll, I will do a personalised video. And, you know, always, as I said, um, you know, why I'm reaching out to them, always give a reason why, how I found them. You know, this, we've been connecting on LinkedIn and then always ask them, you know, if, if now's a good, not a good time, that's cool. You don't need to reply. But if you are, you know, I'd love to reply. And what I do is always have some value-add videos because I use a service called Dub, D-U-double-B. And what that does is allows me to say, look, it's completely up to you. But if you want to see something on, you know, how to tweak your profile, how to get a better engagement on your posts, because I've noticed that when I've looked at their profile, that's a great way of doing it. So that's the first type. The second is just send a custom one. So for all my first connections, we uh, have a you know, welcome video that comes in if it's not personalised, and that's just a generic one. And also we do birthdays, right? So anyone that's got a birthday, we basically uh, do that. So they're ones that are just pre-recorded that my team send on my behalf. And the third one is, like I said, is specific value adds where I'll look at their profile or might look at something specific and I'll, I'll give it – sorry, it's not to them specific, it's a specific tip. And I can look at their profile and my team can look at their profile, know the gap, and then they'll send them that. So that's a couple of ways that we uh, use video. Yeah, I love that. And and I imagine the tip that you send them is one that is saying, hey, I thought that this might be really helpful for you because I've seen other people do it this way. And, and you know, those emails that you've get, got, I've just looked at your website and it's atrocious. I mean, not using those words, but you know what I mean? They start off getting bang, bang, bang. This is wrong. This is wrong. And it's like, well, man, I really want to connect with you now. But it's done from a positive, empowering way, yes? Yes. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely good. And so that beautifully segues into the, the third point too about how to effectively uh, run this re remote team. So you mentioned that you have team that also supports you in doing that. For someone who's considering, may not even thought of doing that, at what, what would you recommend? It helps them to discern what you should be managing and what you can allow the team to manage? Because, I mean, we are talking about relationships. Uh, how can you help us to discern what we should be doing and what the team can do for us? Yeah, well, the, the, it, to be honest, it's very simple to determine that, right? And that's not the reason why most people don't take someone on. So I'll, I'll get to the easy part first, which is effectively just get a bit of paper 
uh, or you know, from if you use a task manager, I use Asana. Just every time you do something and you know that it's not or not, you know, it's the old classic. It can be done by you, but should it be done by you? So just have that list, right? And just do a T. So all the stuff that only I can do, all the stuff someone else could do, collect that, and that gives you more than enough content to what you could get a team member to do, okay? Yeah. So that's the easy part. The hard part is the letting go, right? And there's various reasons for it. Some is, you know, they've never had any experience managing a remote person before. So, you know, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of uh, angst about, you know, how's that going to, to play out? The other one is that, you know, they love to to micromanage. They love to be in the detail and they find that really, you know, hard to let go. And I think the third one is they've heard stories in the past of where it hasn't worked. Okay, so how it didn't work for Jill, I don't know if it's going to work for me. So I think, you know, they're the three most common ones. And, and really, I think in that sense, there's three options you can really do for a remote team in in. So one is off a freelance site. So whether it's Upwork, uh, free, uh, free up, there's a lot of them there, right? That's the first. The second is to go direct. So you get someone direct yourself. And the third is to go through an agency. And if you've never done this before, I highly re recommend the third. There's a reason they'll be more expensive than the other two. And that's because they've trained the person, they've vetted the person. And what they'll also do is help you okay, in bringing someone on for the first time. So that's the way that you minimise some of those fears in my experience. Yeah. One of the things that I'd love um, some insights on this too, I mean, some people are just starting with a VA and, and sometimes it's good just to try out. And then as you become, things start to flow and you see things getting posted and you you haven't actually had to press the button. It's like, wow, what else can I outsource? But then you get to a stage where you start to have to manage and you need to seed in. Like if they were working face to face, it's not like you can come into the business and never talk to your team again. But then you can become part of the operation operational, the oversight, do you have, because once you start to get to seven figures, you've got multiple people, multiple projects. And if you're managing those, what you want to be doing can often your time be taken away. So do you then also have like an operations manager, someone who's more an OBM? That's something that I'm sure you do. Speak a little bit about that for those big people that are multi-six already and thinking there's no way that I can go to seven figure or, or higher because it just means more time for me overseeing my team. Speak a little bit about a business manager, VA, or, or you know, um, outsource staff. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And, and look, just my, my experience comes from, you know, I ran a, uh, an outsourcing VA business for, for five years until I had to uh, divest it because of my health. So, you know, I have got a lot of experience and a lot of the people that I mentor run outsourcing businesses. But in short, you know, if you've got a team already, look at where your team, so let's call it roughly 50% of their work shouldn't be done by them. So a great way to even get a VA into your business is to look at the most, the, you, normally your best people are the busiest, right? You know those people and you know that they're overloaded, right? And how long can you, you know, extend the string before it pops, right? Or the elastic. So what I do is recommending them to have a VA, right? So that's a great way to test it in the business without you having to do all the work to begin with. So that's one place you can do. The other is if you're building your team and you've already got uh, a VA, uh, what you can do is if that person's really good, you can elevate that 
person to a, a project manager or the team lead, and then you can bring people under them. So that's my model. That's what I love to do. So I've got Connie in my team. She's been with me, I think, nearly for four years now. She's absolutely brilliant, and she's my right-hand person, and she's basically project managers the whole business, but then we've got teams that work under her or people that work under her that do, you know, the, the more specific work. So I think that works really well. And then for me, I know for my sales admin, which is a key part of my methodology and what we really focus on and helping people with, I've got then some people that report directly to me. So I've got two people at the moment that do my LinkedIn and they report directly to me for the topic, which is LinkedIn, but for the performance management, for the feedback, everything else, they fall under Connie as part of her broader team. Yeah, that in itself, I think, would be something that uh, as as the business owner to hand that over, but how empowering that must be that you don't have to, ha you know, deal with those day-to-day day -day issues. You also mentioned, uh, you know, team beneath um, Connie and she's the oversight. And I think what a lot of businesses struggle with too, and I'd love for you to speak a little bit into this, is that your team will only be as good as the systems and the processes that you have in place and that means document them how yes. many business owners carry their business plans and everything to do with their business in here we need to start documenting are there some tools that you that are now your go-to to and what if someone hasn't even started doing that oh, shock horror what are some places to start because you've got to start sometime yeah look and it's the classic like um you know people will often say oh, i don't want to uh, i'm not quite sure what sales crm to use so they don't use one right and therefore they're just missing leads leads are falling through follow-ups falling through and they, they wonder why they're not making their revenue targets because they're making it very hard for themselves so to me any tools better than none right so that's my first point the second is i think you should have a project management tool in your business and there's some brilliant ones out there we prefer asana that's great but there's ClickUp, there's trello you know, there's lots of others. So I think that's really important to have those because my 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 simple reasoning, and, and let's face it, I came from one of the best companies in the world, Coca-Cola, 150 years old, and they had, you know, their use of systems and processes was absolutely brilliant. But what I did learn is the closer to, um, the closer that the process is to where someone's making the decision or doing the work, the better. So people used to say, I oh, document all your SOPs and, you know, I'm going to be madly working on something and I'm going to go over and I'm going to grab that SOP, bring it back to my desk or, you know, in the old days now, bring up that file and work through. It doesn't happen that way. So in the project management software, embed the checklist embed the way that they work so you make it a lot easier for them to do things and if you ever want to sell your business it's a lot easier to sell that business when you've got everything in a platform now it can always be moved that off platform so that's not a risk but at least you've got it all there rather than having all these google docs and all these other systems that are so removed from where they actually do the work yeah, something that we uh, just did, Paul, uh, I've got three podcasts. I in, in reintroduced, well, actually this one, Women in Leadership, and then I've got the Christian Entrepreneur as well. And so I thought I have got to put something in place that enables, you know, the VA, the, the editor, all of that. And I thought, you know what, I'm just, because I've had tried different things. And, and the reason I'm sharing this is if you try something and it doesn't work, don't throw your hands up and walk away. There is going to be something that works for the entire team. So I created a spreadsheet. 
Google spreadsheet, every tab is a different show. There's different columns and this this whole section is for the audio editor, this whole section is for the VA and this whole section is for me. And what I have determined is I am the biggest bottleneck of the entire business just putting it out there. Often as business owners we are because the buck stops with me. But each of the team members, they're feeling empowered. And I said, if you want to add a column or something fits in better for you, change things up, please let me know and let's do that to make your job easier. And guess what? It's actually working. And we've only implemented it for the last week or two. But what you've just said is so important. Go with what you have access to and tweak it, you know, and allow, empower the team to be able to, to contribute to that too. Because how often a, a team member, especially some of the remote team, they may not be ones to come forward, people to come forward, but I think they're the best advocates to share because they're the ones. And I think that's what you said, the closer they are to the process, the better it's going to be because they're going to be running it. Spot on. And, and it doesn't have to be you, the business owner, right? You can always hire people in to help you build your processes. You can always get your team to do it. So even if you're not great at it, this, it's not an excuse not to have it in your business. And, and just quickly, you know, start where you're most comfortable. So if it's Google Sheets, like you said, Anne-Marie, start there. Right? Then you might progress that into a project management software. For us, we use, you know, Airtable, which is a really sophisticated version of a Google Sheet. So it's just the evolution. So we went from Google Sheets into Airtable. But, you know, don't look at someone. It's like the classic, you know, it's taken me 10 years to get where I've got. You know, it's the exact same thing. Don't compare me to now. Compare me to where you I was where you are, right? So if you're not great at processes at the moment, you don't have any, that's okay. But, you know, as the Chinese say, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Just start today. And you don't have to have it perfect tomorrow. Every day you build on it. What I love about what you've just said there is that start with something and then you can integrate and, and, and you know, advance the systems. One of the things that I've noticed and the, as business owners, we know the best style. How many times have we gone to a productivity course and bought the journals, bought the documents, and then that ends up running us and it's like, this is ridiculous because I'm never going to do, do it anyway. You know, one of my um, quick, I don't know if you know the Colby A, quick start, not so good on the follow through, which is why we need team. So I'm not going to get there and, you know, put all of the things. It's just not my skill. But if I need to do something to inform my team and I know that it's going to be a block for me, choose a system that you know is going to run with the style that you have and and implement that. And um, that's the way you can't tweak and change and perfect things. Not that we're, you know, perfection, but get it to working at optimum if we never develop it, if we don't tweak and, and monitor it. So. Yeah, and, and Emma, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, look, um, and especially when I ran the outsourcing business, uh, I'm just, I'll, I'll wait till I get all of my systems set up, then I'm going to hire someone. I'm like, bullshit. Oh, sorry. I, I no, no, that's right. Yeah. Yes, right? Don't yeah. do that, right? Because every day you wait, it's compounding. Like it, it's not going to be, you can't change three months of wait as soon as you get someone three months in the future, right? That you can't recover that time. So I'm always the view, just start scrappy, get someone in and help them build the process because guess what? The way you design a process is probably not how your team are going to use it, especially if it's not your strength, right? So get someone someone in to help with that. Don't wait. Now, if you're watching now, go and get a VA before you need one if you don't have one. Believe me, it will change your life. I've never seen a client in my 10 years of being in my own business, I've never seen a client 
say, I'm never going to use a VA again once they've started. They might change VAs, but they rarely change having a VA once they start. Yeah, so true. Uh, while we've been, um, you've been sharing your insights, we've had Sandra uh, go, good insight. She's been agreeing there, yes. And then we've got Dean uh, Carol. Paul always has great guidance. So uh, thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Dean, for being there too. So, Paul, I know that you've shared already a link where people can get access to your nine-point LinkedIn tips, you know, what we need to, to share with that. But what are some best ways for people to connect if they like to find out more information about you, your programs and the support you offer? Yeah, well, the best is just go to my personal branding site, which is paulhigginsmentoring.com. And on there, they'll have, when you land on the page, there's a great assessment that you can do. And it's not one of those assessments where I scrape your email and then you never hear from me. It's actually one where there's a chance to book a call where we actually come up with a plan, not a sales call, a plan for you. So that's one that's got my uh, podcast there, which is Build, Live, Give. So you can check out those episodes. And the third thing is there's uh, some great resources there to help you. There's some masterclasses you can watch in particular around the sales machine, which is a community we run for people uh, wanting to get leads on LinkedIn. And, um, yeah, that's a great way you can find me, paulhigginsmentoring.com. Fantastic. Well, look, Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show. I know that I started the show with uh, a quote that you mentioned, uh, and that was, you wish that someone had have tapped you on the shoulder and told you, do the personal branding first. Is that something, because you, you just mentioned that reminded me, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned, go to my personal brand, my website. Is that because you also see many businesses that they're, we've, we've talked about LinkedIn, we've talked about the profile that you're building, but it's also important, isn't it, to build your own personal brand, your own platform that you can call yours and you beautifully demonstrated just before we finish the show. And I know uh, we've, we've shared so much already, you've shared so much already and I really appreciate personal branding website is that still something that you you you're seeing that businesses are not doing they're putting too much emphasis on the social media platforms yeah look yeah you don't own the social media platforms linkedin it's been brilliant but what i do is make sure that i get people on my list as as much as possible because your list you'll always own it's the old analogy don't build your house on someone else's land and i do think you know you'll always be you so paulhigginsmentoring.com will always be me but my you know my product page which is buildlivegive.com you know I, I constantly whether it's that or i'll do some joint ventures with someone else maybe you know you can always change your company your trading name and you can always change your products and services but you can't change you so i think this should always be you as an individual and then the company sites and you know whether you're going to sell the business or not, i don't think it really makes a difference but i do uh, recommend it and i want to give a quick shout out to mary henderson who helped me come up with my personal brand last year and the business has just uh, flown since that's occurred Fantastic. Good, good. Lovely uh, recommendation and testimonial there. And please go and connect with Paul on LinkedIn and over on his website as well, Paul Higgins Mentoring. Look, thank you once again for coming on the show. Yeah, and just one more thing. So firstly, Anne-Marie, thanks for having me on. But the second is kidney donation. You briefly spoke about, you know, my best friend 30 of uh, 30 plus years gave me a kidney in 2009 and it saved my life. And uh, I just, you know, if you're not on the register, please, it's very easy. Just Google it and, you know, it, it really does change someone's life 
my personal experience, I could not be happier. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're not, just please go donate uh, uh, or put yourself down to donate. That would be brilliant. Of course, Googling would be – what would they Google then to be able to find that? Just that is the organisation. Organ donation. Organ donation that will tell, take you to that uh, to that website, and th- that's also something that I think they that organisation are always calling out for more people to consider um, being on the the list there because you just never know that you you could save a life, as you said, your your mate. Yeah, there's 160 kidney donations a year and it's a six-year waiting list. So, uh, And if you've spent time on dialysis or know anyone that has, it's not much fun. So, yeah, yeah you know, whether it's kidney or any organ, please, it'd be great. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks, Paul. Lovely way to uh, finish the show. It's been fantastic hanging out with you. Thanks once again for coming on the show. Thanks, Anne-Marie. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series.